Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Roker Report podcast in association with the Southern Community Soup Kitchen. It's Gav on a Thursday. Unusually, I don't normally do the previews because the man sat across the table from me today is normally the preview guy, but we have no guest this week, so we're just going to chat amongst ourselves about a few things. Hello, Chris. <laughs> All right, Gavin. I'm, I'm kind of, I feel like the guest this time, how the tables have turned. <laughs> You're always welcome in my house, mate. Always welcome. You're always <laughs> my guest. So then, yeah, Sunderland played midweek. Uh, we'll quickly touch on that, I think, before we talk about Burnley. I know this is a preview pod, but we'll quickly touch on the game which we played on Tuesday night. It's been um, a funny old few days. I've calmed down quite a lot. I was raging after the game. I was still raging Wednesday all day to the point where I just avoided anything to do with Sunderland to try and forget about it. I'm a little bit calmer today because I'm looking forward to the weekend's game. It's sort of, it's happened now. It's it's done. But Tuesday night at Blackburn, Chris was a... It was a tough one to take, wasn't it? I know the performance, a lot of people have talked about how we generally, we weren't good enough up front, we weren't clinical enough, but I thought for large parts of the game we bossed possession and we did okay. But to be honest, I still stand by this, I said this after the game, everything that happened after that sort of penalty decision we didn't get, just, it was, it was, it just went out the window. I'm not really bothered, like, because at that point it was nil-nil, we should have got a penalty if we'd taken the chance, we would have been 1-0 up and instead we were 1-0 down and it just totally changed the game at that point. So it was tough to take for me. I, I, what about you? Yeah, it was. It was a tough one. I mean, you know, last last minute of injury time, I kind of turned the TV off because I just couldn't take hearing the final whistle and seeing their <laughs> fans and players celebrating because, yeah, it was just one of them. You just felt you just felt pissed off at the end because you'd felt like you'd been robbed and, and we were. We weren't aware that, you know, the decisions went against us. But, I mean, if you just bring it back to the game, if you bring it back to the football for a minute, I mean, it, we, we played a team that went top, you know, getting that three points against us. They went top of the league. And for lot, large parts of the game, we were the better team. We played the better football and it was just, again, you know, we're, we're seeing this time and time again, but it was, you know, it was that having that focal point that gave us that kind of different different dimension to our game that we just didn't have. But I think, yeah, you, talking about scoring, though, if you look at Blackburn, their first goal was a worldie, you know, left foot coming back from behind the ball, swinging his left foot at it right in the top corner. I mean, that that's a worldie. And the second one is a, is a good set piece, you know, good, put it into a good area, they get a flick and it's a goal. 
all right, offside it was, but you know the the, the point is that they put the ball into a good area and, and got a nick on it and got a goal. But apart from that, Blackburn were the same as us. Blackburn didn't look dangerous up front. I mean, Diaz, yeah, every, every time he got the ball, he looked he looked useful and he's a good player. But I can't, you know, Patterson wasn't diving all over the place and they weren't having, you know, chance after chance after chance. We got into as many, if not more, better areas with the ball than Blackburn did, but we didn't do anything with it. I mean, the amount of times we, we said, Clark, you know, why, why hasn't Clark had a shot there? Why hasn't Roberts had a shot there? And then the times we did have a shot, it went 10 yards over the bar. Or I know Roberts kind of sliced a couple when he tried to come inside. Yes, we see a striker, but I'm not sure it's kind of the always the end product that we're talking about. It's that different dimension that we can mix our play up because we had to play slow, methodical work up the pitch. But we matched Blackburn. We went toe-to-toe with them. And it was a mix of referees' decisions and, and a cracking finish from Diaz. That basically done us in the end. Yeah, yeah, a bit of quality. You know, he's a top player. There's a reason Premier League teams are chasing him. You know, he's obviously very good. He's burst into life, hasn't he? It's a funny career, his. Like, I know I'm going off on a bit of a tangent, but you look at, you look at like basically everything before sort of last season. He very unspectacular couple of years as a young player, and then all of a sudden just burst onto the scene. All of a sudden, he's playing for Chile. He's got a new name. And then he's banging them in for fun in the championship, but yeah, to be to be fair, I'm, I'm in total agreement with you. Like, I think uh, we did more than enough for me in the game to at least be competitive, mm-hmm. and that's why the decisions that the, the officials got wrong pisses off so much. Because I, I just think that we should be sitting here talking about a win or a draw, not a defeat. Mm-hmm. Like it, it not it not the wind out of us. I don't know how much the actual players knew at the time about the particularly the second goal. Because that was offside. It was just it was just off mind, and it was all nine who pushed him into into an offside position. But he was off, and I don't know if the players at the time really knew about it. I did listen to um, the Radio Newcastle post match podcast, and I don't really think at the time Benno and Barnsley knew, and they were in the ground. So I don't know how how quickly that filtered through. But at the end of the day, you know the, the officials are there to make them decisions. The first one was the main one, really. You know, clocks. Clock's being fouled. Yes, he goes down and dramatically, but which player doesn't when they're fouled in the box? They all do it. They're not going to pretend they didn't get hit. They want the referee to know that they got hit. And when you see the shorter from about five different angles, the lad's foot goes right and takes him off takes him off his feet. And what was it, 22 seconds later, I think Tony Mowbray said when they put the ball in the net? It's... Yeah. um. It's cruel football it can be. I know we had decisions in in the past. I know these things generally even themselves out, but at the minute it just feels like I'm talking too much about officials. It's nearly every game now where we like we're sitting here and we're going, friggin' hell, the ref was terrible. On Saturday, it didn't matter because we won. But it could have mattered because the referee on Saturday was crap. Luckily it was crap for both teams, but he was particularly bad. This one on Tuesday was bad. I, the, well, I mean we're not going to get anywhere by ranting about it there's nothing we can do about it there's a problem right through the game the referees that we've um, had in the last two games are both Premier League referees who generally in that league would have VAR and even then we know referees can't get decisions right with VAR so it's like you know uh, uh, are these lads now too reliant on VAR and just being able to palm it off onto somebody in a room in Stockley Park that when they have to come drop back down to football league, there's a bit of an adjustment there. I don't know, but yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I said I'd calm down a bit, but I'm starting to rally myself back up. <laughs> talking about well, it. Well, I mean, listening back, I mean, the pod after the the Wigan game, 
I mean, you all had, I mean, I remember you actually saying, right, we're going to have a segment on the referee now because, I mean, even, you know, after a 2-1 win, even after a 2-1 win, we couldn't put it to one side. You had to say, right, let's let's sit down yeah. and, and talk about the referee. And we're doing it again. I mean, obviously, this time it's worse because it's kind of caused us not to get anything out of a game which we probably deserved something out of. But the, the, and again, yeah, I mean, cracking point there about Craig Porson. I mean, the, the other thing about Craig Porson, not only, like you said, he's dropping down. And, you know, for those sort of things, you know, week in, week out, you know, for those sort of fouls where he's like, mm, was the contact, was there not? He keeps his whistle to one side and he waits for someone to say, oh, go and have a look at that. Exactly yeah. right. So he's not going to blow his whistle for things like that because he's, he's so used to he's being in that frame of mind. I mean, I think actually from that point, it's it's a bit of a disgrace that actually referees are being trained to use VAR and rely on it and then being sent to do a match where they haven't got that cushion and that they're not actually doing that. But the other thing about Craig Porson was after what happened at the last weekend at the Man United game, I mean, what was he in a mental state to referee a game a few days later? Because he was absolutely, he was absolutely slaughtered in that Man United game. I mean, he was we, all... we've we've had like a, a shitload of tweets from Man U fans, like quoting our tweets about him, saying, mm. "Oh, he's at it again." Like, so obviously he'd he'd really riled them up in that particular occasion as well. Yeah, and there's not. I bet you, I, I bet you any money that he was waiting for a report probably to drop from that game to kind yeah. of to judge him to say how how crap he was in that game. And he's probably thinking, oh, God, well, well, what is that report going to say? And what am I going to have to do for that? Because I, I kind of dropped the ball and make massive mistakes in that game. I mean, you know, there was huge mistakes in that game. And he was trying to rely on VAR on that one as well. And they didn't do their job. But, you know, he comes into our game. What mental state was he in to to take a rough game, you know, Sunderland Blackburn? And then not only about the big decisions, but at times he was ignoring the little fiddly fouls. And then the next minute, he was blowing his whistle for them. There was just no consistency throughout the 90 minutes. He, he was making one decision one minute for a foul that he was saying, right, that's not a foul. Next minute, the exact same happened. How many little fouls did their fullbacks get away with compared to the likes of 09 and Serkin? Every time Serkin went in, put his foot in, it seemed to be a free kick. Every time their fullback went in, it was like, no, nope, you know, play on. And it was just no consistency at all. And I, I genuinely don't think that Craig Porson was in the right frame of mind to referee a game in midweek possibly Tim Robinson's the referee for the weekend I don't know I don't I don't even know that name that might be a good thing <laughs> I'm I'm looking and he's only really done championship and league one games this season so uh, it's, it's a toss of a coin it's potluck <laughs> yeah well he, he refereed last weekend he refereed the red and west brom game and he gave six yellow cards in the game between Watford and Swansea a couple of weeks ago <laughs> so yeah I, I don't know what to expect I mean he might be better because he's not one of these idiots dropping down from the Prem to just I don't know if it's an actual thing but it does feel like they get punished in the Premier League and made a referee for like oh you're right you're in the championship this week because mm. you did crap in that game I don't know if that's how it works but it feels that way well the other thing as well the other aspect to it all as well I think I mentioned it a few weeks back because I think we're seeing it this season because these these new new directives that have come in in the summer I mean, I I don't actually I don't actually disagree with them. I actually think what they're trying to do is a good thing, but I think the way the referees are getting confused and not implementing it properly are re- are causing issues because the referees don't know they're kind of at the minute they don't seem to know what what a foul is and what isn't. Some 
are leaving it until somebody flies in two-footed and then go, oh, yep, that's a foul. And some are still giving those fiddly ones, which they're trying to say, you know, where they're trying to get referees to, to play on through them. So that I think there's a, you know, there's a bunch of confused referees out there to start with. The other aspect to it, and again, this is what I raised on a, a pod a few weeks back, is that we now have a team who we're not really a rough and tumble team. We're not kind of get stuck in in the middle of the park team anymore. We've got all these technical players. And the problem is on, we're on the rough end of, of all these decisions when, you know, you've just got rough teams who are giving us a hard time and kind of basically knocking our players off the ball. Last season, it was going to be a free kick and, and we're not getting them this year. No. Burnley are going to be a tough opponent though. So, I mean, <laughs> we've got that and the referee to contend with, but I'm not really phased because I don't feel like we've been particularly outclassed by anyone. You mentioned it there about Blackburn. They went top of the league with that win and we were more than competitive against them. Yes, their bit of quality told. Had we had our striker on the pitch, it might have been a different game. You know, they had theirs on the pitch and they scored a really good goal. But like I say, I'm not going to keep going over it, but it's a different game if the referee does his job and the linesman does his job. Simple as that. But yeah, Burnley are tough. Like I've been following their last few results. Um, I know that they, last week, last weekend, they battered Swansea, who we, that's probably as tough as we've had it this season against Swansea away. I mean, it just, to me, it, it just shows how inconsistent the league is. Like there's, there's nothing between most of the teams in this league. You've got QPR, Watford at 15th on 20, QPR top on 27, seven points separating 15 places. Like it's ridiculous. We have dropped down to 13th, but with a win against Burnley, we would potentially go up to, to eighth, you know? So it, it shows how close the league is. So I'm not, although Burnley are a, they were an established top flight team. They've, spent a lot of money on recruitment and a lot of money on new players. They're a very different looking Burnley team to the one that played in the Prem um, under Sean Dyche, but I don't fear them at all. I'm not looking no. at that team and going, God, they're so good. I mean, they've got Jay Rodriguez up front, who's got seven goals, good return to this point. Um, he's a good good forward, you know, but I'm not scared of him. I don't look at him and think, oh, Danny Bart couldn't handle him. The, the only thing I'm, I'm worried about is whether we put the ball in the back of the net, but other than that, I'm sure we'll give them a good game. Yeah, and that, that's been the case all season. I mean, if you look at you know what, how many times we've been beaten this season, we've been beaten five times this season. And I don't think in any of those games, you could turn around and say we've, we've been completely outclassed or we look at, you know, we look like we're in the wrong place or anything like that. I think the only time I would say we've looked second best for me would really kind of was that first half at Swansea. I think that was the only time I, th- I thought that we weren't really on it and we, we kind of looked second best. But second half, we kind of turned it around. But Again, going back to the Blackburn game, I actually I was enjoying watching us, and I know we we got beat. And I remember being I was at Bramall Lane, and I I enjoyed watching us in defeat there as well. I enjoy watching us yeah. play. Yeah, and I'm, yeah. And and the thing is, it's that confidence you've just been told about, Gav. That we go into games thinking we're a good team. We we kind of know how to play. And yes, okay, there's there's the issue, there's the elephant in the room about scoring goals, but. We are a good team and we're good to watch and we've got some cracking players. And I was thinking this watching the the Blackburn game that I bet you there's a lot of fans, opposition fans out there and a lot of opposition players who, after playing us, turn around and go, God, Sunderland are one of the best teams we've played this season. I mean, even yeah, though we man- might... A lot of managers are saying it as well, apparently. Yeah. Tony Mowbray yeah. keeps talking about it, doesn't he? The way we're playing this season, I, I just think, you know, we, we'll get the results like we did at Wigan, like we did at Redden, you know, Rotherham, just because we are a good team. And 
and and if you look at our form, yeah, it's not it's not brilliant, but I mean it's kind of mid table form, which I think I put in last week's editorial. That for me, that's par. You know, anything better, it's it's a bonus and brilliant. We're going to enjoy it. Anything yeah. worse, anything worse isn't a disaster as long as we don't get dragged into the kind of dogfight at the bottom, which I don't think we will because our team's good enough and. We're going to be patchy like this because for a good number of reasons, you know, we've got players who are playing at this level for the first time. We've got a squad that's got an average, you know, average age of what? Something like 23, 24 on average age. We've got 15 mm-hmm. players. We've got 15 players in the squad who were kind of 22 and under, you know, so we're going to have this patchy form at this level. We're not going to walk every game, but you know what? I'm enjoying watching it and I'm looking forward to games. You you said earlier on, it was funny, you said, I'm looking forward to the Burnley game. And I think there's a lot of Sunderland fans there now saying, well, I can't wait till the next game now. I remember a time yeah. when we dreaded it. There's, it's because we've, we're going into games in fear and nothing. We're just playing We're playing good football. Like We're putting putting lads out on the pitch who technically are very good. Physically, yes, they're not particularly great, which is why we concede from set pieces. We concede headers. But the other side of it is, as well, we're, we're getting the ball down and we're playing nice stuff. And as a fan, as a paying fan, as they, I've got me, you know, me direct debit from me season ticket comes out on Monday, I think, or whatever it is. <laughs> I know I've got my email the other day, so it's coming. But um, I've got, like, as somebody who buys a season ticket, when I go on a Saturday or a Tuesday night, that's what I want to see. I want to go and I, I want to sit there and go, I've been entertained or I've enjoyed the game. I've, en- I've watched a good game of football. Like, that's all you want as a fan. You just want to be satisfied. And at the minute, this team is satisfying me. Satisfying a lot of fans. I think that's why we're getting good crowds at home again. I mean, they've got nothing to fear, nothing whatsoever. I'd, like I said, I don't look at this Burnley team and think we're not capable of beating it. They've got some very, very good players. I'm not doing them down, by the way. They have. They've, they've got some cracking players, as they should, because they've been in the Premier League for God knows how long. They spent a fortune reinforcing the team in the summer. They've got a, a, a manager with a big name, who had a big reputation, who's going to be expected to win things with them or at least get promoted very quickly. So, you know, this is a team that are gunning for the top two spots in the division. No doubt about it. But it's a 90-minute game of football between two teams and where they're equal on the day. And if we can outplay them, if we can find a way to score, if we can keep Rodriguez quiet, if we can stop Brownhill from supplying them, we'll be fine. We'll be absolutely yeah. fine. And and we, we've got to go into every game with that belief. Not just this one, but if we were playing the team bottom of the league. We've got to have that belief. And I think we have, to be fair. Mowbray has instilled that already in the players. He's just so calm. It's unbelievable. I think I said this a month or so ago. He just calms me. He calms everything down. You listen to him. And even, even after the game on Tuesday, when we're all raging about officials, he, he managed to talk about it without, one, getting himself into trouble. Two sounding overly irate about it. And three, just sort of like levelling everybody's mood out. He was like, well, it's yes, it's not great. We're talking about it too much. But I want to talk about my players and how great my players did. And I'd, that's transferring onto the pitch. We're seeing it in the games. The the likes of your Embletons and your Dan Neals and your Pritchards, who are inconsistent players, they're still trying to play their football. And that's confidence more than anything. They're being given confidence by the manager. And... Yeah, there's no reason why we can't go out there this weekend and do the same against Burnley as we did for large chunks of that game the other night. Yeah, and for me this season, I I think I think Burnley 
kind of sum up where the championship is this season that I, you're not going to get what you know sometimes in the championship you get one side who blow the league away they get 90 odd points they get 100 points and they just wipe the floor with everyone you know I'm thinking Fulham I'm thinking us under Reedy you know all of that sort of stuff you know you get mm-hmm. you sometimes get a team you're not going to get that this season it's funny you say that because a couple of weeks ago everybody was talking about Sheffield United like they were going to be that mm. team and then their form's been horrendous in the last six so yeah. it just shows you, doesn't it? Everyone's yeah. thinking, looking at Sheffield United and going, they're going to walk the league. I remember listening to a couple of championship podcasts where they actually said that. I think this is Sheffield United's league to lose. And then you look at it, they've lost three of the last four games. So it's yeah. like, you know, what anybody can beat anybody. Well, that's it. And and like I said, well, with, with Burnley, I think they're kind of summing up what how, how the championship is because they're doing really well and they're happy how they're doing because they're third in the league, but they're not they're not wiping the floor with everyone. They've drawn more than half their games. They've drawn eight out of 15. And seven of those games, they've drawn ones each. So, that I mean, they've they've gone proper Jack Ross there, you know, seven, yeah. seven one-one draws out of, out of 15. So they're not, they're not spectacular, but they have... They've got the joint best scoring record in the league. You know, with them and Bristol City, they've scored 25. And I think there's only one team who've conceded less. So they're just solid. They just know how to get results. I mean, they're not, they've won two out the last five. So they're not, they're not spectacular. And I think they're going to, we're not going to see a Burnley side come to the stadium alight and just kind of attack us and go at us. They're just going to, you know, they're kind of a bit like a machine that just makes sure they keep the points tally ticking over every week in, week out. But again, I mean, I think the onus, you've you've kind of called it earlier on, where I think the onus is on us. You know, we're at home, we've got cracking attacking players. It's just, I think, even though we're playing a good, solid Burnley side, for me, it's still about us and how we unlock Burnley and, and get our first goal. Yeah. Yeah, well, they you look at their team and they pick the same, basically the same team every week. Same system, same team. Like I've looked over the last six games. I think they've played pretty much the same shape and virtually all of the same players. They go with Rodriguez up front, uh, Zarauri on the left, Brownhill in the number 10 position, Teller on the right, Cork and Cullen as the two centre-mids. That's basically the same front six players that they play in every game. Harwood, Bellis and Beer as the two centre uh, defenders. Vitinho is the right back. Ian Matson, who's got quite a lot of assists this season, so you'd like, you know, we've got to probably quieten him in the game, particularly with Rodriguez up front. He's a big lad. Presume that means that they like to get the ball out wide and whip it in. We know how they're going to play. Mowbray will have done his research, and you've just said it there. It's about what we do. I think we'll probably try and match them up. I know we we've maybe got an injury or two to consider, haven't we? We'd ideally say. You know, working on the assumption they might not play. We've got options. We've got plenty of options in the squad. You know, there's there's lads who can't even get on the bench at the minute. We've got. It's funny that we've got such a a problem with injuries up front. The rest of the team's fine. <laughs> it's like everyone's back. Even bloody Niall Huggins is back, isn't he, in the fold? So, um, generally we're doing all right on the injury front. So there's a lot of options there for Mowbray. It's just obviously how we how we how we look at Burnley and we think: Do we go with a four? Do we match them up? Do we go with a five? I think generally in the past, we've done all right against teams with a four when we've played a five. But Swansea attempted to do that last weekend and got battered. And I know we're not Swansea, but Swansea are... I actually think there's a lot more similarities between us and Swansea than there is us and Burnley. You know, Swansea like to keep the ball down. Swansea like to play through the lines. They like to play out from the back. So he's got to be cautious in that regard. But... Swansea were the away team. Sunderland are the home team. 
the onus is on us to just to do our thing. I think if it was me picking the team, I would do exactly what Mowbray said he did at Swansea, which at the time I didn't agree with, but I sort of, you know, as a long-term philosophy I agree with, which is just play our own way. Play the Sunland way, the way we've played all season, you know, and if it works, great. If it doesn't work, I, I wouldn't be... I wouldn't be going out there and going, mm, we should maybe sit back a bit more today. I think we've actually just got to keep the ball on the ground and play football. If we lose, we lose. We're not going to lose. We're not going to get relegated on this result. So yeah. let's have a go at Burnley. Let's be the second team to beat them. They only, they've only lost once and that was Watford, but it was a long time ago. They drew a defeat. So come on, let's let's have a go. Let's go toe-to-toe with them. See what happens. Worst, yeah. The worst thing that happens is we get battered and we just lick our wounds. <laughs> and you know what? That, that's That's the beauty of this team. It's been built to do that. It hasn't yeah. been, this team hasn't been put together. You look at the pieces that have been put together. It hasn't been put together to do what you described there and, you know, sit sit in deep or catch teams on the break or, you know, stuff like that. It's been designed to play football and to go toe-to-toe with anyone at this level. And and we can, I mean, given, you know, given a full, full fully fit squad, we can. And, and actually we are, we're just, you know, there's those missing pieces, but we are going toe-to-toe. We went toe-to-toe with Blackburn. That game could have went either way. You know, it, in the end, it rested on, as we said at the beginning, it rested on a referee's decision in a worldie. And and it's like that every week. And it's going to be like that against Burnley. It's going to rest on, you know, do Burnley nick an early nick an early goal? Do we nick an early goal? Do we finish off the odd chance that we get? Does Roberts cut inside and ping one in from 20 yards? You know, and then and then we go on to win the game. It's going to rest on kind of what, you know, those those moments. Because I, th- I, I there's not, you know, we've played... We've played Sheffield United, we've played Norwich, we've played Blackburn who were up there, we've played, you know, teams who were supposedly fancied as well. Nobody scares me in this division at all. And I, I think no. we've got one of the best sides and we can play some of the best football in this division. It's just about kind of get can we get it right on the day? Have we got that experience? And against Burnley, it's it's going to be like that again. But I was going to put it back to you, Gav. Right, we've got, you know, in all these games the results have gone okay we've had quite a few draws in those games not you know yeah we've been beaten twice in the last three but you know before that we went four and beaten so it's kind of that mixed bag Tony Mowbray has made the same subs in all of those games pretty much you know give or take a few at what point because I mean I mean I'm looking you know the likes of Embleton Mowbray was really brave to keep him in at Wigan and he, he had a cracking game against Wigan and then he was off you know, he thought, oh, well, he's back on form. And then he was a bit off at Blackburn. So, I mean, with this kind of in and out of form, at what point do the likes of Ahmad, Barr, Michu, Bennett kind of knock on the door and say, I think I'm ready to start. Give us 90 minutes and I kind of show you what I can do. Yeah, this might be the game. <laughs> might be. I think I think the fact he brought on Michu, although it was only for a brief period, uh, was interesting because he's talked about him a bit recently. He really talked them up after that um, under-21s game the other week, which I, I was at that game, and obviously we lost. I wouldn't say he stood out to me, but again, I'm not an experienced football manager, so maybe he was looking for certain things from him in that game which would you know, excite him. But Mishu, when I watched him in that game, played in that sort of Evans role and just in front of the defence, spraying the ball about, which is pretty much what he's had sort of Dan Neal doing as well recently so there isn't a there isn't an obvious reason that I can think of why you wouldn't bring them in but he has been reluctant but at the same time he's also said in in his press conferences and interviews and stuff he's also came out and said 
there will be a point where I need to put them in or they'll get that chance. And it, well, look, I'm looking at it now. We're nearly two months since most of these lads signed. Mm. And they've all had, you know, a bit of time on the pitch. They've been introduced slowly, yes, but they've been coming into games. And yeah, it might be the, ta- the time to, to maybe look at, particularly Embleton, I think, and, and maybe swap him out with somebody who's a bit more attack-minded. Because yeah, we've got to try. We've got to try different things, and I think, you know, I think the problem he's got is is that communication on the pitch is a big thing, like for all teams. And when it comes to Embleton and Neil in particular, they know the rest of the like you see even when, even on Tuesday Embleton, yeah, I didn't think he played particularly great, but at the start of the game, some of his one twos between between him and like Pritchard, just the quick changes of play. Those little things are what gets the team moving. It's when he has to defend and it sort of the game drags on a bit. Embleton sort of goes out of it. So it's tough. But I'm what when I look at those players on the bench, I'm not looking at them and thinking they can't do that. They're all technically good players. You know, I would look what the one I really want to see is Abdullah Bar. I just want to see him start a game of football. Because he's the he's a proper box to box midfielder. He likes to carry it. And bringing him on when we're losing a game after fifty odd sixty minutes or even later. You're not going to see the best from him. You need to see him from the start of a game. You need Evans sort of sitting in front of the defence and passing it to him and letting him carry it forward. And that type of player will get the likes of Robertson behind, will get the likes of Clark in behind in hurting teams. So he has to consider it at some point. Whether this is the game to do it, I don't know. I thought the game to do it might have been last weekend. And that was probably the best game Embleton and Neil had in a long time. So <laughs> it's tough, in it? I don't know. I think he's got to do it at some point, though. And like I said before, he won't say this to the players. This is a bit of a free hit because Burnley, everyone's expecting them to, to be up there in the top two positions. So people are expecting them to probably come and get a result against us. They might not come and dominate the game, but they'll probably try and get a 1-0 or a 2-0 and take advantage of us on set pieces like other teams have. So we've... It's a free hit. Let's just try it. Let's go for it. And, you know, let's let's maybe bring one or two of them in. I like mm. Ahmad a lot more than a lot of fans do. I would like to see him play. But I don't think he's going to dislodge one of Pritchard, Clark or Roberts at the minute. So he might have to wait a little bit longer. But, yeah, there's no reason why he shouldn't bring in Barr. Yeah, but is it not is it not maybe a case of needs must? Because you've got these players and I think, you know, Roberts, Clark, Pritchard... I mean, I think th- those are just the three best players in, in th- those positions to try and get something. But if we think it can work better a different way, you know, bring some of these players in, even though we might not think they're quite as good individually, do, does it make us a better team if we play a slightly different way? I, I mean, you know, it's a toss of a coin. But I'm only asking the question because, like I said, I, I was watching Embleton during the week and I, I don't know whether it's maybe the, the step up to the championship or what, but it's kind of blown hot and cold. Dan Neil on the ball, I mean, it looks looks fantastic, looks comfortable. You know, off the ball, he, he seems to have gotten into a habit of giving away fouls in really dangerous positions. Yeah, yeah, that, that pissed us off the other night again. Yeah. You know, round the box, just don't do it. Is it a case, is it concentration? Is it because he's had, because he, actually Dan Neil's played a lot of football this season and, you know, he wasn't in the side probably as much last season in League One. You know, he was in and out. He get, get yeah. being rested. This season, he's almost been played in every game, certainly since Mo- yeah. Mowbray yeah. came in. Now, are we are we kind of flogging him a little bit? Does he need just kind of, right, we'll take you out for a week, have a, have a bit of a rest, you know, recharge the batteries a bit, and we'll we'll give the likes of Barr or Matete or whoever, you know, whatever the game, you know, needs, and then bring him back in when, 
you know, he's kind of recharged the batteries. I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, like I said, Mowbray watches these players on a on a daily basis in training. But I'd imagine that because, you know, we seem to be making the same substitutions. The same players are coming off, same players are coming on. I mean, at what point are these young lads going to be knocking on Mowbray's door saying, right, hang on a minute, you've, we're not getting the perfect results. You know, why not, why not throw us in? Because... You yeah, know, they, these lads are confident. They're going to be knocking on his door, saying, "You know, come on, gaffer. You know, stick us in. I'll show you what I can do." Yeah, exactly. And you know, they've come with big reputations as well. Yeah, he was playing for like Michu, for instance, was playing in the Paris Saint Germain first team last season. He's obviously got something. So let's maybe see what he's got. I don't know. I, I'm I'm certainly not against it. Like I say, I, I see this one's a bit of a free hit. Um, we might as well round up with some score predictions, and I'm pretty confident. But I always am. <laughs> yeah, it's just a case of are Burnley going to be as clinical as they have been in this game against other teams, or are we going to get more of the Burnley that played at Birmingham midweek, who struggled a little bit to just get a foothold in it? They took the lead and then conceded and it ended ones each. I don't know. They might they might be happy with a point, which sounds daft because they're going for the going for the title. Obviously, they want to win every game, but I don't think they're going to set up and come and and try and batter us. I think they will do. Pretty much what everyone does at the stadium alike, and I think they'll they'll try and slow the game down. They'll try and waste a bit of time, and they've got the quality in their team. More importantly, it's score goals. So that said, I fancy us to win. Still, I'm going to say one nil Sunderland. About <laughs> <laughs> you, um, they've they've drawn seven out of fifteen games, one one. So that's where my money's going. It's going on one one. I just nice. I think I, I think Burnley. I think that like like we said earlier on, they're not they're not blowing things away. They're a machine that keep the scoreboard, keep the points tally ticking over every week. Make sure they get something out of every game, and that's how the way they they do things. And I I just I think we're a good team, and I just think Burnley. Mm-hmm. I think you know Vincent Company will have watched us and said, you know they're they're dangerous if we let them play. Then they're going to punish us, and actually, that you know that you know Roberts will stick one in, Clark will stick one in because actually, well, I think they're due one, and you know I think would you would you a good performance, and I think that they'll have been talking about those referees' decisions since Blackburn, or you know the 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 crack in the dressing room, the crack around the academy, like in training, they'll have been talking about it, they'll have been winding themselves up, and I, I think we'll come out and have a good performance at the weekend, but. I just think Burnley are solid, and um, if if I was to stick my money in, I'd go for one one. Well, let's uh, let's hope we don't get beat because uh, neither of us predicted it, so you know what's coming. Now, nah. <laughs> uh, cheers, mate! Thanks for joining us once again. No so, thanks for joining us. This is normally your podcast. Bit of a weird one, wasn't it? Now we've enjoyed it. Uh, thanks to the listeners for joining us. We'll be back probably Sunday, Monday time with a reaction pod. Hopefully, talking about a win against Burnley. There'll be Friday Night Live coming up Friday night, obviously on Twitter, half past seven. We're doing these every week now. We're trying to maintain that consistency. So if anybody doesn't know what Friday Night Live is, we basically host a live podcast over on the Rote Report Twitter page where anybody can speak. You can literally just hit request to speak. We'll get you on a bit like a radio show. Uh, They are recorded. So if you can't manage to um, catch it live, you can just hit play recording and it'll play back after the matter of fact. So... Yeah, there'll be something a little bit extra on top of this podcast dropping on Friday night, so hopefully see you then. If not, we'll catch you next week. Cheers. (laughs) 
Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.